Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. All right, guys, welcome back. Eric and Matt here with Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. Hope everybody's had a great week. How you doing? What's up, dude? Doing all right, man. It's another long week. Dude, tell me about it. I mean, life is crazy. Um, I went over on the Twitter desk and I asked you guys to give me a bunch of questions. And I'd like this entire podcast today uh, to be dedicated to our Twitter page. Well, it's actually, I guess technically it's not the podcast Twitter page, but it's the Iraq Veteran 8888 Twitter page. But I, I use that Twitter page quite a bit to interact with a lot of the LLP uh, folks as well. So we asked uh, you guys to give me a bunch of your questions and gals. And uh, I thought that we would answer a bunch of those questions. Now, I want to preface this particular podcast. Also, some of you are probably watching on video form over on Iraq Veteran 8888. Just want to preface this and let you know uh, some of these questions are a little edgy and some of them get into some controversial territory and we are going to try our best to honestly answer every question we can and i just want to let you know uh this probably won't be for kids i mean like there's some sensitive subjects and uh, i don't know how many we'll get to but just understand that some of these questions go down the rabbit hole and we're going to try to be honest and answer them uh, because I, that's what i, I, I swore i would do uh, but just keep in mind that th- this one we're, we're going to dive into some interesting territory so um this is going to be everything from Firearms-related stuff, homesteading, prepping, EDC, you know, the basics. Uh, but a few things, I mean, you, you guys know Roe v. Wade and all that situation, which I really hate the overall situation because I, I hate political movements. Like They're always scary because change is right. scary and people react to things in a scary way. So uh, there's probably a few questions related to that, which I, they're relatively harmless. But still, just bear in mind, if, if it's a sensitive subject to some of you, just you know, bear in mind that that's, that's part of the conversation. So, all right, without further ado, we're going to break into some questions, Matt. Let's do it. And guys, um, you know, if you're watching and listening, uh, we get tons of emails at the ballistic Inc email, um, asking questions about, you know, any type of question, what type of ammo, what type of gun, mostly firearms related because of the channel. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you guys have the opportunity to go onto Twitter, whenever Eric, puts a poll out or puts a, a tweet out that says, hey, we're taking a Q&A, that is the time that you're probably going to get an answer back um, with what you want. So whatever questions you have, send them over and we'll do our best to answer them. All right. So without further uh, delay, we're going to go ahead and break into it. Yep. Uh, now, look, a lot of these Twitter handles are kind of weird and they're hard to pronounce in some cases. So I'll try my best to give your handle just so you get credit for the question. But if I mispronounce something or misspell something, I'm sorry. I'm a redneck at the end of the day. So you're just going to have to deal with it. That's okay. almost like a segment in and of itself. Yeah, kind of a Pronounce the Twitter handle. Redneckery, <laughs> if you will. Okay. All right. We're going to roll into this. Um, some of these are comments. Some are questions. If I think it's cool, I'll just read it. How about that? Let's do it. Noble077 asks, it says, according to the Fifth Amendment, and John Locke, it's the right to life, liberty, and property. Well, that is you are you <laughs> would not be incorrect. Um, that is what the pursuit of happiness was when it was written. The pursuit of happy, happiness was property because that that's just the 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 direct equivocation of what that means. 
you know, there's a lot of stuff like the Federalist Papers that are so cool and, and mm-hmm. insightful to read into because it, it really gives you an idea what our founding fathers were really thinking when they were coming up with some of these ideas. And th- those particular concepts may not necessarily be like codified in law, but they are there. Like they did have memoirs and it's so cool to read up on that. So uh, great, great, uh, great response there, Noble. All right. Uh, Gordon Jordan. Uh, happy Thursday, Eric. I have a hypothetical question. Where is the line in the sand for people in this country who swore an oath to uphold the Constitution? Wow. I mean, it's a good one. How much time you got? <laughs> An hour? <laughs> well, I mean, look, it, it is one of those things that you have to approach with caution because there, there's a lot of things that are going on in our country right now. And without getting down the rabbit hole of, let's just say, government intervention in the form of like informational warfare, psyops, um, discourse and sowing the seeds of discourse. I think it's important to remember that they want to provoke reactions because they want to be able. So anytime the government steps in and wants to provide a solution, the, the chances are they probably provide the problem too. That's right. Right. So I think that it's important to stand fast and make sure that you're ready for anything and be able to react to anything and anytime you might see it. And I think the best policy is one of readiness and one of a reactionary ability and making sure that like-minded people in your communities, you know, that you're keeping in contact with people and that you have a plan. Disasters can come in a lot of different forms, right? Sometimes it's a man-made disaster. Sometimes it's a natural disaster. And then in the case of what Gordon is implying here is, hey, when are we going to put it into this government overreach? Um, it comes down to if you believe that the system is working or that it will work or will be effective, uh, what's the old saying, right? Um, the soap box, the ballot box, and the bullet box. Yep, the ammo box. So yeah. that's that's what Gordon is saying is when is the time for the bullet box. And I think the time for the bullet box should be all the time. You should be ready at all times uh, to protect yourself against anybody who might try to hurt you. And that's a very loaded question, and, it, and it's hard to really dial in exactly where it's coming from. I understand where, what, what you're getting at, I believe, overall, but... That's a very hard thing to talk about because you don't want people to take what you're saying the wrong way. I think the important thing is to have an idea of readiness, preparedness, and a willingness to try to do the most pertinent thing to avoid uh, danger and disaster and to avoid death and uh, avoid conflict at all costs. But be prepared for conflict, but don't seek it out. I think that's, that's probably an important way to approach that. Yeah, and just to kind of piggyback on that, I would say that we are, are we're already at the line in the sand. We've seen that um, in the current state where people are you know, up in arms about what's going on. You're starting to see a lot of, you know, if you just look at what happened two years ago, one year ago, and now we're we've already made almost a 180 to where we were. So I know everybody likes to hang on to like, oh, we've, we've been in this, uh, you know, institution of government for the last two years where they're like stepping on your throat. Well, we're fighting back now and we're starting to see that. Um, now, to your point, there is going to be a point in time where you do have to be ready at all times. But as it stands right now, we're already making headway on, you know, turning the ship. It's just a yeah. slow, it's a slow, and when you're turning a ship, it is a very slow process, but we are making headway. I think people are people, and I think people are fallible, and I think people in power are even more fallible. And we have to remember how delicate society is, how delicate the world is that we that we know and love. And 
upsetting that balance is a very disturbing thing that'll have much more far-reaching connotations than simply just the simple idea of firing the first shot. And I think that's what I'm trying to say. Well, knee-jerk reactions got us to where we were two years ago. We don't need another knee-jerk reaction to go the opposite way. Otherwise, it's the same thing. Zachary Smith, Pew Pew Zach EU, asks, Why is there such a high perceived value in the gun industry? Elaborating, why... Do companies overcharge on products just because their name is on it, or rather because their name is popular? We've we've actually covered this before, um, and it was the whole deferred cost, um, you know, aspect of it, where where you spoke about Glock specifically, and we're like, hey, you know, you're not what you're paying for, and I'm using Glock because they were the uh, initial, you know, first people to make polymer frames. But you're still paying for the the cost of research and development of that polymer frame, you know, ten or twenty years from now. At least that's the way that I look at it. Sure. And the ongoing research and development and the ongoing costs of doing business is is not just the name. Yes, that's a part of it, but it's also you know a lot of other things. Zach, my answer is going to be that it's literally just economics. I mean, if you can, if you charge more for a commodity, the perceived value of that commodity is going to be there. Right. I mean, like if a Glock pistol costs $299, no one would think it was a good pistol. But if they charge $599, it doesn't matter what it costs to make. As long as it works well and it's a good product, they can charge more for it because that perceived value is there. It's kind of reverse psychology in a way. I mean, people don't realize that like they see a high price tag and they automatically associate quality with a higher price. I think it comes down to being a savvy buyer and knowing quality when you see it and looking at construction in terms of like the quality of materials, the quality of the finish, the quality of the fit and finish, quality of how it's made, the types of barrels they use. I mean, all sorts of things go into what makes a gun a gun. And I think that being a, a well-educated and informed buyer is an important part of kind of cutting the chaff of, all right, when are you just getting down to brain recognition like an HK costing a lot of money versus a Glock. I mean, now those are two different products and two different price ranges that do very similar things. But it's like, why the price difference? Well, because they can charge it. And because H&K has developed a, a name that is synonymous with, um, you know, Gucci stuff that costs a lot of money. And <laughs> I'm right. not saying that's a bad thing because H&Ks are awesome. Uh, I love them. But that's that's why. Uh, because yep. they can. And also just look <laughs> at the at the after sales care. So a, a quick example is um, Meprolite. So I was gifted a Meprolite. It stopped working. I contacted Meprolite. They're not inexpensive by any means. They're not, they're not Gucci, but they're not inexpensive. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I didn't let them know who I was affiliated with. I wanted to be a regular customer. They, they overnighted a new optic like immediately it worked. So you are paying for all of that. You're paying for the R and D, the after, the, the, you know, craftsmanship, the quality and the after sales care as well. So I do take that into consideration. All hail the mighty root asked, what is your EDC and what do you mm. think may be missing from it? If anything, I'm working on getting myself back in the habit after having lax because of the COOF lockdowns. <laughs> so basically he's wanting to get back and carry. He wants to know what we, what we care. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, let me go grab it because I take it off when I do podcasts. All right. I'm still a P365 guy. All about it. All right. So I carry a Dino Boy holster. All right. Extra mag, weapon, Zev, OZ9C. Ooh. 
Holosun. Yeah, Holosun Optic. I like Holosun just because it has a, a battery tray on the outside. It allows me to change the battery without having to re-zero the, the gun or anything like that. Um, but this has been my EDC for quite a while. This gun was gifted to me, um, and I love it. it it's a tack driver. Oh, let me hold it up here. It's a tack driver. Um, and yeah, that's my EDC. It's a sweet pistol. Thank you. I've, I've been partial to the P365, and uh, I carry it in one of those Alien Gear. I forget the exact model on the Alien Gear holster, but it it's their pretty slim, modular um, P- SIG P365 holster. I love that rig, and uh, I, li- I like the XL with the 15-shot mags. That's what I carry. It's a fantastic pistol, one of my favorite pistols. Now, without getting into a ton of detail, because this could turn into like a 20-minute answer if oh, I'm yeah. not careful, um, I'll just say EDC... Now, we talk about EDC and carry. I'm sure most people mean like, hey, what firearm? But there are also yep. other items you carry on your person, too. I usually keep my battle belt in the truck, and I've got it set up with a pair of tourniquets, a blowout kit, a good blowout kit with lots of good stuff in it. Uh, and it's one of the kits that Skinny Medic puts together at Medical Gear Outfitters. Um, I've got some tactical tailor um, AR mag pouches as well as a couple of spare mags for my M17. I've got an Alien Gear holster on there with my M17 pistol. Uh, ready to go, and uh, everything's good. I've got a Leatherman Super 300 multi-tool on there, and I've got a set of Leatherman Super, I think they call them the Super Shears, the Medical Shears, the Folding Medical Shears. Um, great setup. Uh, the battle belt is a Viking Tactics uh, belt. The inner belt is from Blue Alpha Gear. Uh, Kurt over at Blue Alpha here in Georgia, he's up in, uh, he's up in uh, Noonan, uh, Georgia, I believe, or is it one in Marietta? Anyway, he's here in Georgia. Look up Blue Alpha Gear. He makes a belt. Um, and I, I wear Blue Alpha Gear belt. Also, Kurt Gillock's Fat Boy belt. Uh, if I want to wear a leather belt, that's the gun leather I wear uh, with the P365. So, all right, we're going to move on. That's a great question. Appreciate that. Let's see. Okay, Smiley G9 wants to know. How bad do you think things have to get before people conceal carry regardless of the state law? Also, well, he said, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Little LGB going, huh? Right. So I think what, what Smiley is getting at here is at what point do you disregard whatever the law may be in, in, in the pursuit of individual self-preservation, uh, obviously being a much more important thing than some man-made institution like laws, right? I mean, yep. that's the way I read into it. So basically what he's saying is how bad the things have to get before people go, you know what, I don't care if there's a licensing uh, you know, thing or if there's a permitting scheme or a fee. You know what, I'm going to carry a gun because things are bad, and you know what, the heck with it. I need to protect myself. I think we're past that, yep. maybe. Way past that. We're kind of past that initially, I'd I say. would I my advice would be it's better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. Um, you know, I understand that you need a, you, you know, people want a permit. Um, but if you're printing that bad, then you're doing it incorrectly anyways. I mean, when you go out in public and you're carrying, then nobody should know as long as you're dressed accordingly. All right, let's move on. Barry, the wasabi. Hmm. He's Asian. Possibly his uh, (laughs) logo has some like little laughing wasabi blobs. Which uh, I guess they're laughing because they're burning your mouth out. Sure. Uh, I love wasabi, by the way. All right. Can you please tell me why the P90 is so expensive? I heard that in the Asian voice. Well, (laughs) uh, so (laughs) it's the same question that was posed earlier about the whole idea of um, perception of value. I mean, like, yeah, they could lower the price on the P90, but, but why? 
Like if people will pay thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks or more for a P ninety, I've seen them like fifteen, sixteen, depending on the optics situation or whatever. I mean, if they can charge it, why not? I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, and I can't I honestly. And look, to be fair, the P ninety is probably not a cheap gun to build. I mean, it's, it, it's got a lot of little moving parts, those clamshell parts. I'd be willing to bet too that when you, when the injection molds drop those clamshells, I bet. I can't say this with, with distinction, but I'd be willing to bet that because of the shape of the part and the thinness of the part and the the length of the part, they probably get a few rejects here and there mm-hmm. from the ejection molds. So anytime you get like rejects from the molding process, like that can probably add up to the cost too, because they're not going to eat the cost of that material in that time. Like, so it's probably an expensive gun to make. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And I've heard also that the scar is the same way. Like the injection molding uh, for the scar. That they, they do tend to get a, a few a few rejects. I mean, and that's the nature of polymer. You know, when you're running an injection mold, anything is polymer. You can get a few little rejects, some parts that don't quite make the spec. Um, I, that is speculation, but I would imagine it's probably not a cheap gun to make. I would argue that it's not a it's not an expensive gun. It's not. If you're talking about even if you're up in the two thousand dollar range for what it is, it is a boutique firearm it's very niche and if you think the gun is expensive why don't you try feeding it all right because yeah, i mean it's, it's true it's a very expensive gun to shoot the magazines are very expensive in and of themselves so it's never going to be widely adopted it's it's very specific um and i wouldn't say that it's expensive at all for what it is you think so no do you I think they could sell it for 800 bucks and still make a pile of money um no what i mean is i would i think they would I think that they're selling it probably at a loss, but you know, I don't think, I think that might be one of their loss leaders. Just my, think so? just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they did drop the, uh, FS 2000. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, that's a garbage gun. If I've ever seen one, I mean, think about their, their they're not the best. They're cool looking, but <sighs> I, I wouldn't consider it like, well, I think, I I'm think I'm not going to jump for joy yeah. and like choose it as my main gun or anything. Yeah. Not at all. It's ugly. Too. I do love the scar though. We'll say that. Yeah, all right. Let's move on. The P90 is expensive. They can charge it. I mean, that's... <laughs> it's FN. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh, Shibliss? Shibliss? All right. Wants to know, is it possible to govern the printing of NFA items or is it a complete freedom? Or is it complete freedom? So I guess what he's saying is, should people just raise the black flag and just print what they want and, and who cares what the laws are? Um I think that compliance is one of those things that self-governs and self-regulates without outside influence, okay? And if I may kind of tread into this territory, I think that people are going to do what they want to do based on their inhibitions and needs and wants and loves and desire for freedom. So uh, I think the uh, answer is no. I, I think that's why they're making such a big deal about all of it because they know they can't control it, and nor should they. I agree. All right. That is all. <laughs> Redneck from the City asks, do you think it's a good idea to start a new gun channel on YouTube or on a different platform in this day and age? Ooh. <laughs> good. Well, I'll, what a question. How about this? I'll go first <laughs> go and then you go because you actually know what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> going to give you the give, answer. Give me your answer. I'm going to give you the, the armchair quarterback answer. And that's just from me from the outside looking in. I would say if you have the time and the money to start a gun channel, I would probably look at something else because it's already 
very difficult with the political climate to get any type of money doing what you know if it's a passion project and you want to do it you know on the side that's fine but if you have ambitions of doing it full time i think you're going to be very challenged to do that i think that youtube is a town square of video creators and i think that when it comes to people sharing their views out there in society that youtube is still um, the top dog in terms of platforms to exist on. And even if you're going to post videos in another location, I would certainly still uh, make a YouTube channel. You can most certainly get big on YouTube still, even in the gun world. Uh, times are changing. Times are changing. And uh, I can't elaborate a heck of a lot, but let's just say that they are, at their core, very good people. And I think that they're trying to do the right thing. And, and I believe that there is potential for growing uh, in the realm of guns on YouTube. Now, is that to say you should put all your eggs in one basket? It's probably not a bad idea to cross post on different platforms and maybe have a backup plan and always have redundancies. And those things are important too, because those redundancies also increase your overall footprint in different areas. So, you know, yeah, make a Twitter page, uh, make an Instagram page. If you want to make a Facebook page, make whatever pages you want, go to Rumble, go to Go to Gab, go to Getter, go to Truth, wherever you want to go, and just spread that message and try to gain a followership. And one of those social media platforms will, if the content's good, you, you'll kind of find which one works for you the most. So, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I certainly would not, I, I certainly would go ahead and make a YouTube channel. You would be crazy not to do that. I, I, I would post on YouTube for sure. I agree. I think I answered that question differently than you did sure. meaning i was answering it in a way that i thought he asked if it was financially feasible or worth it to do it that's only up to you yeah i mean it, you you don't do it for the money do do it because you love guns that's right all right brock wants to know is the four six by 30 platform mm -hmm. a viable replacement to nine millimeter what isn't a viable <laughs> replacement for nine millimeter in I, terms of PCC, like yeah. help five seven four six. Well, is he talking? Is he talking PCC or is he talking like pistol, like well, handgun? There's not very many four six by thirty platforms out there, right? Like so, CMMG has their Mark Four, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that that particular like that setup is a four six by thirty that you can buy forty round magazines, mm -hmm. flat shooting. I mean, and heck yeah, it's got. It's got some zip. I mean, compared to nine, absolutely, mm -hmm. it is a it is a jackhammer of a cartridge. What it's going to come down to is it's expensive. It, it's expensive, but it's also going to come down to aesthetics. Can they make whether a PCC is going to look cool, anyways? But can the, if you want it to be viable, you have to make it into a actual handgun, and you have to do a better job than FN did with the five seven. Because while it's a good handgun. It's not winning a beauty contest. And I think that was what the downfall is that it is a very niche handgun. Yeah. You're not, at, but if you want it to be popular, you have to make it carryable and you have to make it good looking. And that's just the way it is. Uh, this guy wants to know what charcoal do you cook with on your green egg? Yeah, I have a big mm. green egg. Look, this is a super easy one. I use that cowboy lump. Uh, oh, it's in a yeah. brown and red bag. Love that's it. That's what I use. And it's inexpensive. Uh, let's see. In your opinion, what? All right, Minuteman Prepper asks. In your opinion, what is the best tasting freshwater and saltwater fish? You not, don't really like. I'm fish, not do a you? fish guy, man. I broke the dude. stereotype with the Asian and the fish. I don't <sighs> do it, mm -mm. dude. All right, freshwater fish, rainbow trout, hundred percent. 
saltwater fish, pompano. End of story. Moving on. <laughs> pompano is the king, baby. Get in the surf, catch you some pompano. It's a good day. I will tell you my five-year-old daughter loves pompano. Let's see. Oh, boy. Okay, Job Destroyer is asking, how should one defeat the World Economic Forum's genetically engineered lizard people in order to prevent global depopulation? Ooh, that's a loaded one right there. So what he's asking, th this is in relation to a video that was released from not long ago where, of course, they're talking about uh, the Agenda 2030, which is like the World Economic Forum and UN's collective plan to sort of unionize and have this overall overreaching global government and global socioeconomical cluster, you know what, over the next decade. There's a lot of scary things in it, but this is the way I approach it. I mean, like, we didn't elect the UN, and we definitely didn't elect the people at the World Economic Forum. If I if I take a hundred billionaires and put them in a room, and they've all got a whole bunch of money and influence, I mean, yeah, they've got power because they have money, and they've got influence because they have money. But beyond, I mean, like, is that really a thing? Like, that's not government. That's not an elective elected representative, you know, example of what we all are going to be privy to. I mean, yeah, they might want that. But, like, I don't know. I, I just don't see, like, the long-term ramifications of it being anything more than just chest-pumping by, you know, the rich political elites that are connected at the level of the pharmaceutical companies and uh, uh, industrial, uh, the uh, military-industrial complex. I mean, all these people want to be able to, um, you know, boost their stocks and make money and push things on people and, and try to keep perpetual war occurring between people so they can keep their giant grift going with all the money they're making. It's really, I mean, yeah, World Economic Forum. Oh, yeah, they're in the economics of people control, uh, killing people through warfare. I mean, the, the endless wars and all the institutionalism that comes along with all of the underlying mechanisms. So it's, it's a very nuanced and deep question that we can't answer here in such a short amount of time. But And I'm not even going to claim to be the, the, qualified to answer this question, but that's kind of my take, is that I'll believe it when I see it, and until then I'm going to say cautiously optimistic and try to be ready and prepare myself for anything. And I think that's probably the best policy. That's a fair answer. I think you covered pretty much everything wrong with it. And I mean, just so our viewers and our listeners understand if they don't know what the World Economic Forum is, it is a World Economic Forum. Uh, it's an independent international organization committed to improving the state of the world by engaging in business and political aspects. So and at face value, that seems like it's, you know, oh, it sure. seems so bad, right? At face oh, value. Oh, sure. But then you have a bunch of, you know, really, really rich people heading an independent board to control other countries in the guise of helping them. And what could go wrong possibly? You know, everything. Oh, of course. Broken Bullets asks... You guys really need to bring 3D printing into the conversation. 3D printing is the present and future for anybody interested in home building. That's not an untrue statement. Um, I think, look, I think the 3D printing community is genius. These people are so cool. Mm -hmm. They come up with so many cool things, right? They take these STL files and they make little mods and changes and they come up with some really cool stuff. And I think it's so awesome that people have the ability uh, to just use their imagination and come up with the craziest ideas. And I love it. And I agree. It is important that it's in the forefront. Um, 
in terms of content and making content about it, that is a longer discussion that we are currently trying to navigate in a way that we can make sure that we, uh, that we please the masses and, and make sure everybody's happy and to make sure we do it in a way that, you know, is easy to understand. And, uh, quite frankly, for us, now we do, uh, do 3D printing. Uh, we've 3D printed some auto sears for our, uh, SOT and everything like that that work quite well, by the way. And they cost like 13 cents, which is really cool. <laughs> but we're still mastering the, uh, the, the, polymers that we're using and the type of filaments that we're using to try to make sure that the stuff we're making is structurally sound enough to be used for firearms purpose. So once we do some more research and development and work through some policy and things uh, with some of the platforms, hopefully we will be doing some more videos on 3D printing at a future time, I promise. So we're going to try to get there. So thanks for that uh, statement. You're, you're right. You're correct. Yes, you are. And I think that, you know, it's still uh, in the taboo stage of, you know, sharing that information, which is why you have to kind of dig and dig and dig to find any type of real content on it. And the content you do find um, may not be there the next time you go to you bookmark it, it probably won't be there the next time you go to to view it. Um, I really, really hope that, you know, everybody can just get past that and accept it as being part of, you know, the future. Because it really is 3D printing. Can you can do amazing things with it? Mm -hmm. And as they develop more and more filaments that are uh, stronger and more capable, I mean, it, the the world is going to be the oyster to the person that can 3D print well. Heck yeah! And I think that there's also a lot of confusion about legalities and confusion yep. about what constitute building your own gun. I mean. It, it's misunderstood. A lot of people don't realize that it's legal, perfectly legal for you to make your own firearm. So I think it's changing all of the, uh, the propaganda that's put out there against people doing this type of stuff. Like they're trying to paint it with a, ne a very negative light. And I think in the long term, it's just going to take uh, waking people up to the idea that it's a perfectly normal activity. And as that changes and as the views change and as more information is put out there about it, I think people's minds will change and lawmakers and policymakers, their mind will change as well. So uh, I think we'll get there, but it's still it's still kind of sketchy waters for now until we change people's minds a little bit more. But That's it's right. getting there. And I, the community is awesome. The 3D printing people are, are really cool. People. Some of the coolest people out there. Very, very creative. Shane in Kansas asks, why is the right focused on owning the libs rather than putting forth any sort of meaningful policy changes that help average Americans? It seems that the GOP has been focused on culture war uh, versus fighting the policies of the last six years. Ooh, that's a pretty bold statement, but he's right. Well, it we might, discussed that pendulum, right? Yeah. Well, it might be to might have something to do with it being an election year, um, which is why you're asking the question now and not asking the question three years ago. That's valid. So, um, in my eyes, in my opinion, that's what it is. You're starting to see more um, of a culture aspect of it. Even uh, our our good friend, Mr. Dan Crenshaw, is starting to focus more on the culture aspect of it because it's an election year. They yeah. want to reach out and grab. And I said, uh, friend, it was uh, satire. Um, but that's what you're starting to see right now, especially with the GOP. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you brought up Dan. Not that, again, I guess, technically, I'm, I'm sort of doing exactly what Shane's talking about. But yeah. here's the thing. People are fallible and people can change, right? Like our view that we have in life when we look at something, and I'm not saying this is Dan's situation. I can't speak for Dan. I, I've never talked to Dan directly other than a few very brief, like little messages to like Instagram, I think. But the point is, 
I, I do strongly believe that people's minds can change. And I know that Dan has supported certain things in the past. And I'm not trying to defend Dan. All I'm saying is that you have to at least uh, accept the plausible chance that people's minds can change, right? People can have a change of heart. Someone who might have been extremely on one side of the equation, a few years later, maybe they're not that same person anymore. And I, I want to try to at least give people some form of benefit of doubt that what I learned from Thomas Massey, and uh, I haven't taken his class yet. So he actually offers um, like a class on politics and um, it teaches you how to like engage in political debates and kind of mm-hmm. talks a little bit about the governmental process and the way, you know, the whole government works in terms of its operation. And I want to get up there and, and take one of his uh, courses at oh, some that'd point. that'd be awesome. I'm going to be lo- looking forward to that. But Thomas Massey uh, kind of through reading a lot of his tweets and just kind of seeing the way that he approaches politics the way that Massey put it is perfect. Like, ignore what a politician says and look at the voting record. Voting record, voting record, voting record. That's the one thing that you can pin a politician down on all day long is their voting record. So, you know what I mean? Like, hey, Dan might have come out and said, yeah, I support red flag this or red flag that, maybe without knowing what he was really getting at or knowing the the deep-lying connotations of what he actually supported. All right, is there some vote? Is there a record vote that 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 can can point to that. So I guess that's the thing is like, look at someone's voting record because that's really the only thing you can go by it's is voting true. record. So you're right. Yes, there are a lot of policy changes we all want to see. And uh, I guess it does come down to what the individual may end up saying. Well, do I believe that this can be resolved through political means? Um, I think the answer is yes. I think we're seeing a, almost a 180 on a lot of things. Like we are. Matt said earlier. So um I get it. It's it's tricky. And I will say that the GOP hasn't exactly been super helpful in a lot of things. They have sat on their hands in a lot of situations, and it's worth mentioning, yeah, that they haven't exactly done everything that they can do in the most um, fighting spirit that we'd like to see. They, they've, been, they've been relatively lame duck, and I think a lot of people are fed up with it. Absolutely. A political a-hole asks, where do you guys acquire your ammunition? Any recommended sellers for hard-to-find calibers? You know, if I'm going to buy ammo, and I'm not trying to plug specific companies, um, but I have had success at True Shot Gun Club uh, out of Arizona, and... Uh, there's another one. I forgot the name. I haven't ordered them from in a while, but I, I have ordered from True Shot. Uh, they've been pretty good and they deliver. That's just a free plug. I didn't, they didn't pay or anything. When I, uh, when I buy ammo online, I generally will get it through Brownells. Mm-hmm. I order reloading stuff through Sinclair. Um, I will order stuff through Big Daddy from time to time when they have certain SKUs, especially on flashlights and things, but I know you're asking about ammo. And I use Ammo Seek. So sometimes, like, if I've just got to have a freaking type of ammo, I'll get on Ammo Seek, look by caliber, and you can sort it by the best price. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and of course, prices right now are crazy. And sometimes, if I'm really desperate and I'm trying to find something and I'm just striking out everywhere, uh, there's always Gunbroker. You can hop oh, on there, and if you're willing to pay out guys. the out the nose, it is available for a price. And everything right. has a price. So right now, ammo it, it's it's treacherous. It sucks. Believe me, I get it. Um, and I found some good deals in local gun shops. I mean, it, I, I've, I've gone into local shops and found nine millimeter for 22 cents a shot, mm-hmm. 18 cents. Sometimes I like think I, I scored some for like 18 cents, which gosh, that's pretty freaking cheap these days. You will find your more 
oddball cartridges at the brick and mortars. Um, oh, yeah. like the five sevens. I know that we've found five seven in almost every single shop that we've been into. We'll just go peruse what they have and you'll see five seven up there. You'll see some like just some really oddball cartridges, um, that you won't find online. So give, give the old brick and mortar a shot. They might have what you're looking for. All right. <laughs> the, da, let's see. Daniel Alexander asks, what wine goes best with a 1911? <laughs> Definitely a cab. I'm yeah. a cab man myself. Yep. Um. Uh, what was it? 19 crimes? Yeah. Yeah, man. Some 19 crimes, All man. Right. So, Daniel, in regards to your question, we did a wine flight where we tested <laughs> a bunch of different wines. Check out that flight. It's on Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. I don't remember the episode number. You got to look it up. I ain't got time. All, All right. right. That's the same episode that we <laughs> broke a $600 bottle of Opus before it even started. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Don't remind me. Oh, so terrible. <laughs> yes. All right. Sean Shea wants to know, how come Tim Cast and Sour Patch Lids haven't invited you uh, on IRL or you to, are you them to your range? Who's that? Tim is a newer gun guy. Fans and I started my podcast because of you all. So he's asking why I haven't been on TimCast. Who's Tim? What's TimCast? TimCast. Uh, so I'm just kidding, so, guys. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I was going to explain. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm <clears throat> just kidding. All right. So look, this is coming directly from his Twitter handle. TimCast, journalist, disaffected liberal, commentator, filmmaker, skateboarder, musician, former vice, fusion. 1.2 million followers on Twitter. Of course, he's got, I guess, big podcasts. Mm -hmm. And um, I watch it all the time. He's a good guy, man. He does yeah. really good work. He does you know? seem like he's very liberty minded. He is. I mean, he's a, a freedom loving American. He moved out to where he lives now. I believe it's somewhere in Virginia, um, West Virginia, to get away from. He wanted to be that landowner to, you know, just be away from people, you know. But no, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I watch the show, um, not every night, but I do catch the podcast while I'm at the shop. We'll have it on at the shop while we're working and stuff okay. like that. So yeah, man, any, anytime, Tim, if you're watching, anytime, this man is available. I think it takes, you know, it takes courage to admit, you know, hey, this is how I felt mm -hmm. and now I'm changed. I'm different, right? Like you don't run away from the past and say, well, my past, I'm just going to write off as being this terrible thing. I mean, when you forgive somebody... You're not forgiving that person, really. You're forgiving yourself. That forgiveness is for the person doing the forgiving, right? So by saying, "Hey, I'm a disaffected liberal. This is who I was." Like you're not running away from from what you've believed, and and to some degree, like yeah, you believe what you believe. But I'd like to think that a guy like him, it's okay to acknowledge, hey, if someone else looks at a dude like Tim and says, "Well, you 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 were like me once." That that means more than just saying, "Well, here I am, and I fit into this box," yeah. right? So I think that's important, like in culture and in life, to admit our mistakes and to use our mistakes to grow and become better people. And if that's what he's doing, and and look, not even that having the belief that you once had is a mistake, because mm -hmm. everything we we think at some point or another we're we're going to believe is is the correct thing to to think. We always think we're right when we know we're right in our hearts. So at some point. That was his truth. And sometimes our truth changes. And uh, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess the answer, Sean, is, yeah, if Tim wants me to go on his podcast if or whatever on his show, I'll, I'll do it. Heck, yeah, I will. So that's the same uh, concept as Thomas Sowell. You know, he's a former, in his own admission, a former Marxist. In that, his youth, he was yes, a Marxist. And he, that's his, that's his, like, 
um, you know, soapbox. He, he can argue against it because he once was, he understands it. Um, and if you guys want to see Eric on Timcast, then the only way to do that is you have to at Timcast him. So if you're watching and you guys have Twitter, jump on there or IG at Timcast, ask for him. And that's the way he does it. That's the way he selects his people. So okay. the more of you guys that recommend Eric, the most prolific Second Amendment advocate in America on the show, then that's how you do it. <sighs> I feel a little <laughs> pep in my step, man. Yeah, I'm going to walk right, around I tell you what, All right. <laughs> so th- this deserves a tweet. All right. Hang on. We're, we're going to come back here. Hang on. Okay. I'm tweeting this right now. Oh, live. I'm tweeting live <laughs> right now. Okay. We're going to tweet. Uh, hey, guys. We answered some questions. Let's see. Some questions. Sorry, I'm a redneck. I can't type. And people want to know why I haven't been on, and I'm going to do at TimCast. Is that what you said? That at TimCast? All right. At TimCast. All right. Hang on. The internet's slow. All right. Hey, guys. Answer some questions, and people want to know why I haven't been on TimCast. Um, what else do I say? <laughs> uh, let's see. Drop. And at, hang on, in the comments. It's Timcast IRL. IRL. Yep. Hashtag. Uh, at sign. At Tim, sign. Tip, Timcast. IRL. IRL. Ah, okay. IRL updates. Well, all right then. Is that it? Yeah. All right. I'm tweeting it. Poof. Done. Out into the nether. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the questions. All right, uh, great one. All right, good deal. All right, I'm going to scroll through. We've got, we still got some time. All right, there's a lot of questions to go through. And if I didn't answer your question directly, please don't uh, be offended. It's probably just because it was similar to another person's question. So, um, metal, metalhead, metalhead, she says, I think you should address the recent SCOTUS controversy as the opinion itself doesn't legalize or make legal abortion illegal abortion or yeah or make illegal abortion explicitly but people are using it as an argument over what to do with gun rights i think it's notable to disperse panic either way that's a balanced question because mm-hmm. she's not really saying hey you know we're going to we want you to choose a side she's not saying pick a side what that's that's intelligent because what she's saying is we need to figure out all right where's the controversy coming from? So if, if one side of the equation, look, I'm not going to give you an opinion on how I feel about abortion. And I wanted to preface this, this podcast specifically because I know it's a very sensitive subject. There is no, there is no blanket answer that can determine every single situation, right? We don't have a crystal ball that we can look into and say, okay, I know every single situation that might involve or not involve abortion and where everybody's at in life and where what they're doing spiritually and who they are and what their beliefs are and what we have access to scientifically. All of that aside, when you strip away down to the SCOTUS uh, decision and to look at it just from the standpoint where, where she says it doesn't legalize or make illegal explicitly. So everyone's all been out of shape about something saying that, oh, well, now I can't get an abortion. That's not true. 
right? There are still ways to get an abortion. It's not outlawing abortion. Um, it is weird, though, that society uses all these divisive terms, right, uh, to say, you know, well, we're going to chalk up all of this fear and rhetoric about this Supreme Court decision, the reversal of, of Roe v. Wade, and then they're going to say, well, um, oh, well, you can't get an abortion anymore. Well, all they're saying is they're passing the football back to the states. Right. Now, is that because it's an election year and they're trying to play nuclear football with a very controversial subject as a political play to try to hurt or heal certain voter blocks for certain groups of people? Well, obviously it is political because of the climate that we exist under in terms of it being midterms right now. So, yes, it is political, Matt, as to why they're doing it. But at the end of the day, okay, what is the actual real effect of something like this, right? Uh, it it's literally doesn't really change anything at the core level of whether or not a person can or cannot receive an abortion. No, ma- no matter what your view on abortion is, the fact of the matter is that this Supreme Court decision does not change your ability to decide. Now, it might it just passes that down to the states. And I think it's disingenuous for people to go, I can't get an abortion because of this. I'm not trying to, to to give an opinion about how I feel about abortion. I mean, you can all I, look. I'm not a woman. I can't have a baby. Like, I, you know what I mean? Uh, sorry, but like we know this. You cannot have right, a baby. I, I can't. <laughs> some people apparently can. I cannot. I think that. I mean, look, my my mom had a miscarriage, a late term miscarriage, and I had an older brother. He died in late term miscarriage. All right. I know that he was a person, right? He might not have been born yet, but he was a person. And I'd love to meet him, have met him, but he he died. Before, you know, he, my mom had a miscarriage, and that's how I feel. I, I feel like my brother was a person, even though he didn't make it. And if that's not an adequate enough answer, I don't know what to tell you, but that's my answer. I would look at it more on there was somebody that just put out um, a tweet that said. That compared the Roe v. Wade overturn to the Second Amendment, and I think that's might might be what they're asking: is how are you comparing the two? Well, one is um, an actual constitutional right, sure. and and one isn't. One, well, if we're gonna you, null, if we're gonna nullify, right? So yeah, they're they're we saying might as well this, nullify yes. gun, nullify gun control at the federal level and pass that down to the states as well. If right. we're going to defer Roe v. Wade to the states, correct? And that's and all that's it a valid is. Argument. All they're doing is just. Deferring it to the state level, which, you know, quite honestly, that's the way it should be with a lot of laws, not just Roe v. Wade, but mm-hmm. any law, it should be the state's rights to determine what's going to happen within the borders of that state. It's a very sensitive subject. I mean, and I get it. I know there's a lot of emotions flaring right now and people on many different sides believe very different things. I understand. I get it. I know there's no blanket response. There's no blanket answer. It's a difficult and muddy moral situation, fiscal situation. There are so many things going through people's minds, and uh, I hope people find peace. That, that's all I can say. Is like no matter what your 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 stance on this is, find peace, cope with it, find your peace in some way, and live your life and and do the best you can with what you're given, and 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 try not to let it consume you. I mean that that's the best way. Like the only path is forward. Okay. Don't give in to the fear mongering. Please don't. All right. Carrie. Stilettos and shotguns. Ah. All right. Carrie's in the house asking a question. You know this one's going to be good. Okay. 
She wants to know approximately 46% of the background checks for new firearms purchases in the U.S. are being done for women. So why does the NRA only have one woman speaking at their convention? Well, we know the answer. She's not afraid to, 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 to rip the Band-Aid right off. <laughs> well, ahead, it's, um, I would say it's because the NRA well, – NRA is interesting. I didn't know they were still kind of operating, and I thought they were out of business. But if they only have one person uh, – well, that's right. They have NRAM coming up. But uh, if they only have one woman speaking, it's because they're so out of touch with their core base – that that's how they got into the situation that they're in right yeah. now. You know, according to the NRA, their entire core base is 60 plus year old white guys with hats that have like little, yeah. little fur trapper hats. I mean, you stole the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> they're out of touch. I mean, that that's the thing. You know, as they say, laws are downstream from culture and – you know, women do make up a huge group of new gun owners, especially. Yep. Uh, in Carrie's situation, uh, I don't want to speak for Carrie. I, I consider her a great friend and everything. And I, and we are going to have her on the podcast as a guest. We'll do a whole hour with her so she can tell her story. I don't want to spoil yep. it for anybody, but Carrie is a victim of domestic violence. Uh, and of course, um, she has very strong feelings about women's ability to arm themselves and be toe-to-toe with people that do them harm. And I respect her very much for that and her fight uh, for ladies and, and their gun rights. And she's very she has a very valid reason to express those concerns oh, because yeah. women do not want to feel marginalized. They don't want to feel like they're less of a person than the people around them. They want to feel like when they go to a shop, everyone, you know, easygoing. They're going to get great advice from people that, that actually understand their needs, understand their, you know, physical makeup, you know, what's going, especially if they've, you know, been in a bad situation. Look, if you're a lady who's really confused about what gun to get, or maybe you, you, you've you been a victim of domestic violence or think that you might be, or you need someone to talk to, definitely reach out to Carrie. Um, it's stilettos and shotguns at the real underscore SNS. Stilettos and shotguns. Her name is Carrie. Reach out and she would love to talk to you. So I'll just leave it at that. And Carrie, we'll have you on the podcast uh, in time, we'll, we'll put it together. I know we're all busy. I'll bring Zelda down, swim in the pool, and we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> put something together. Uh, let's see. Black XRP Ninja is asking, mm. "What do you like better, the AK seventy four or the AK forty seven? He said, "Ammo isn't a problem." So I guess he's saying theoretically, if you don't have mm. to worry about ammo, which one would you prefer? You know, I'm more of an AK forty seven purist. If I'm gonna go, I'm not an AK guy. But if I was gonna go AK, I'd go on the the purest form of an AK you can get wood furniture and all. Um, and that's just, that's just the way it is, man. All right, baby, you got yeah. it. Hey, all right, look, I'm a 74 guy. I like the 74 and I want real systems and fan and modern optics and a suppressor and a folding stock. And, you know, I, I, I want the most modern AK I can get in either five, five, six or five, four, five, and 39 for sure. Well, that's what your AR is for. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the flat shooting. So look, um, I'll tell a quick story. We, we were out doing some shooting. So I've, I just had a basic pencil barrel Sega conversion, 545 by 39. And we had a primary arms um, optic on it. And it, I forget the model. We deal with so many optics. I'm sorry. I can't remember the, the model off the top of my head. But on that particular primary, we were shooting 
a pencil barrel 545 with basic, like just wool for two lips, basic steel case ammo. And we were getting hits out to 700 yards. Dang. With 60 grain 545 out of a pencil barrel AK. It is a pretty fast round, though. It's fast. Yeah. It's zippy. I, I like it. Yeah. You never would be able to do that with a standard 39. So that's my answer. Good answer. That's my answer. <laughs> Turkey. JME333 wants to know, with the Ruger 5.7 being mixed reviewed, Mm -hmm. should gun manufacturers just scrap the 5.7 by 28 altogether? I was hoping the 5.7 would boost interest. You know, we kind of answered that earlier. And the way that you boost interest is make the gun look good. Those guns are ugly, man. Like they're they're not good looking guns. The round is good. I like the round for like a, a PDW round, like a step up from a handgun round. But... They just nobody's making a aesthetically pleasing uh five seven pistol. That's right. Well, pistols, PCCs, and anything that's chambered in five seven by twenty eight, I'll say here here's the limitation, Turkey. I don't know. There's a turkey logo. There's no name. I'm just gonna call you Turkey. But uh my answer would be that it's about the diversity and the amount of platforms that are out there. So the more platforms exist in five seven that work and are functional and people want to have access to, yeah the more famous the cartridge will get, the more prevalent it'll be. There's just a very finite amount of platforms that fire the cartridge. So you're asking, should gun manufacturers just say, you know what, screw it, the heck with it, there's not enough demand, and just drop it and not worry about it? I don't think so. I think there's still a demand. Um, the prices on the ammo, it will eventually go back down. I do remember the days of $18 uh, 5.7 ammo for 50 rounds. Those days are gone now, of course. It's Long over a dollar a shot yeah. now. But the prices will eventually even back out. And I will say that there's a very special product coming up soon. I can't discuss who makes it. I, can, I, I am completely under NDA. I cannot discuss it. But a new 5.7 might be on the horizon, boys and girls. A proper one. One that is going to blow your socks off. And that's all I can say. <laughs> a new gun. A, per, a completely new gun that does not exist. Well, it does. I have it. It's yeah. right over here. We know but things. I can't tell you. <laughs> You'll just have to wait until... Yeah. It's going to be a while, but you'll love it. All right. It is one cool, last question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, man. Great way to end it right here. All right. All right. <clears throat> Rooftop Honky, all hail the king on Twitter, wants to know, you ever just get bored of guns? You know, it's Those really... fighting words. <laughs> well, here's it's a very interesting question because it's yes and no. It is... I ne- I personally never get bored of guns. I do get somewhat well. Let me. I don't like shooting for fun. Meaning, like it's almost like when you do something and it, it's a hobby, you want to keep it a hobby. But most people would say, "Oh, let's go to the shooting range or let's go let's go shoot." And you're just like, eh, I mean, I know I can shoot. I know I can hit, and I practice on my own time. But I don't like to go out and just shoot for fun. It's like this weird thing. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's just that's just me. All right. So I'll end on this. You know, look, burnout's a thing. I mean, anything in excess, no matter how good it might be, can eventually, you know, lead to burnout on doesn't matter what it is. You could be a race car driver, mm-hmm. right? Like imagine if your job was to drive Formula One. I bet there's a day that a Formula One driver gets in his car and goes, Oh my god, I wish I didn't have to drive today. But some of us, if we had a chance to strap into one, we'd be like, oh, my God, That's we're going to kill ourselves. This is amazing, right? So, you know, 
I love guns and I will never tell you that I'll get bored with guns. I love firearms. I love air guns. I love black powder. I love machine guns. I love cannons. I love bow and arrow. Tanks, I love, artillery, uh, mortar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've literally fired a howitzer. Like I love guns, period. And I'm a gun guy. It's ingrained in my psyche. It's ingrained in the person that I am. It's ingrained in my culture. It's part of how I grew up. I could never picture myself not loving guns, no matter how much I do this. I've been producing the YouTube channel almost, I think, a little over 14, 15 years in that ballpark. So we've been at it a long time. Not a day goes by that I don't love what I do for a living. I love guns. I love making videos for the masses. I really enjoy when people love the content we put out. It means so much to me. It gives me purpose, right? So if an undertaking, no matter what it may be, if it doesn't give you purpose, don't do it. If it gives you purpose and it never gets old, then you should keep doing it. So, you know, yes, burnout is a thing, but I think that there are so many cool guns out there. It is impossible to get burned out on this because no matter what you think you might know, you learn something new. Some bit of information gets uncovered. Some new cartridge comes out. Some new gun comes out. Um, some antiquated thing surfaces from the past that makes you interested in it again and gets you interested in the subject, makes you want to dive in and read books and learn, you know. You know, you might turn on a, a video from Ian at Forgotten Weapons and just nerd out with him for an hour on something cool, you know, or turn on a video from Othias, you know, and all of his stuff, you know, it's just awesome to see the enthusiasm that people have uh, for gun guns, especially. I mean, I have a soft spot for the older guns, you know. You I love really them. do, yeah. But, uh, dude, I will never get bored with guns. Don't even go there, son. I, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. You brought up a good point. I like shooting guns that I have not shot before. So if it's like some new technology, some new type of blowbacks, uh, a new round, a new gun, absolutely. I'm not fond of just going and burning nine mil up just to burn nine mil up. You know, it's just, not, I am, yeah. I want it all. I want, I want to burn up machine guns. I, I want to do everything. I, I, I'm oh, a full boy. faceted like gun owner that I want to do. I want to do it all. I want and to burn up all the nine. The I want to burn up all the 22. I want to burn up all the black powder. I want to use all the air in the air rifle. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to do it all. It's true. Every time I come, he's like, hey, man, you want to shoot this night? I'll just open the back door and just let it loose. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm good, man. I got my ears. Can't take it. <laughs> all right. I really, really appreciate all of you who submitted some questions for me there on Twitter. We're going to try to do this um, about every five to six weeks or so. I'll, I'll, I'll rehash and, and get into some more questions. I like this format. It's a great because format. Because it allows us to interact with you guys, and that's important to me. So thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. We hope you enjoy it. All right, and before we leave, real quick. All right, we're going to go back to the Twitter post that I made about TimCast here. Hang on. Let's look. Let's have a look. Okay, we've got 10 retweets, 22 comments, 77 likes. Not too terrible. And, uh, of course, everybody's coming down here in the comment section, and they're they're referencing Tim and Sour Patch Lids, yeah, I guess. Yeah, she, she, she's the one of the producers okay, on the show. Okay, now I know. See, I'm uncouth yep. here, but now I know. All right, so who rookie knows? numbers, guys. Rookie maybe, numbers. Maybe, Let's get it up. Maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a message from Tim, and, and we'll go on the show, and 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 I'd love to have him down the range. If he wants to come shoot, he's welcome. Yeah, uh, that Tim, would be cool. The world is your oyster here. You'll get to shoot anything you want. <laughs> All right, including tanks. No, <laughs> maybe. 
Y'all have a great week. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to all of our uh, Twitter followers um, at IraqVeteran8888 on Twitter. Make sure you follow us and uh, get involved in the conversation. We'd love to have you uh, tune in every Saturday for our videos uh, on Iraq Veteran and the podcast and video forum. Also, if you're listening in on all the various podcast servers, leave us a great review so we show up better in the search results. That helps our standing, uh, which is always awesome. Have yourselves a great week. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.